Welcome to day number 22 of the Superhero Marathon here on the Journey Into podcast. And I guess today I'm stretching the term superhero a little bit. Um, I'm going to put on here an episode of Trekkin'. It's about Star Trek, the original series, where Keith and I talked about two episodes of the first season of Star Trek that featured footage from the original pilot, originally titled The Cage. These two episodes together are called The Menagerie, and we talk about it all in the episode, so I don't need to give you too much detail here. But I thought this was a a good size. It wasn't a two and a half hour long episode of Trekkin'. But I, I think it showcases, you know, what the show is about. And just imagine this expanded to talk about all of the different series of Star Trek a half a season at a time. <laughs> but this this one only covers two episodes and we broke it out as a as a special episode. Actually, uh, Keith and I are just about ready to get together to uh, record an episode of Trekkin where we cover the second half of the first season of the original series. Uh, so I guess this is this is all in good timing. <laughs> you know, if you think of Spock, you know, he, he has, he can mind meld with people and uh, things like that. Uh, if you think of Kirk, you know, he has that double-fisted punch that knocks people out. He has the power of dramatic pause. And he seems to always manage to rip his shirt somehow. <laughs> and so, yeah, those are superhero powers, right? And in this in particular, I mean, the villains in this piece are aliens with extremely large brains that have telepathic abilities. So you don't get much more superheroics and supervillainy than that, right? <laughs> anyway, I'll leave you to listen to this episode of Trekkin', and uh, I'll be back tomorrow with some more old-time radio. The Journey Into Podcast Patreon is proud to present this Star Trek podcast, where Marshall Latham and Keith Techlitz go where many Star Trek fans have gone before. Please, come and join us. As we go trekking. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Trekkin' here on the Journey Into Podcast. My name is Marshall Latham, and I'm here with Keith Techlitz. Hello. To talk about Star Trek. Yes. In all of its forms and fashions. Such a great subject. It is. And we have some catch up to do. That's where this episode today is is a catch up episode because when we were talking about the original series, the first fourteen episodes of the original series, we got really behind and we decided to not talk about episodes eleven and twelve that are it's a two part episode called the Menagerie, and we thought that could be pulled away easy and uh, could become its own little episode. So this is this is our uh, attempt to make sure we have the full coverage here of all things Star Trek. Absolutely. Well, the Menagerie, like you said, was was the two parter and took in place of when it aired as episodes eleven and twelve. It's got an unusual history because it was it was one of those things where. They had shot an original pilot with a completely different cast, with the exception of Spock being in it. And even his personality and traits were a little bit different in that. And when they shot it, I think it was NBC, didn't particularly like it. So they made them recreate the series to what we know today with Captain Kirk and Bones and all of those characters coming in. And then... They actually were having issues getting enough episodes in the can. So they went back and they kind of took the original pilot episode and cobbled it together with some of the footage from that and added in new footage with Spock and Pike or uh, Spock and Kirk and, and everybody and kind of explained 
and, and used a lot of flashbacks. So it's it's kind of like what you kind of do with the flashback episodes now, the fillers. But since nobody had seen the cage before, the the original pilot, this was kind of a brand new experience for everyone. So it it was using the old to make it in there and on its own. Yeah, this was the first time that anybody had seen this footage of from the cage. And, right. you know, they didn't, nobody even knew that there existed a pilot episode called The Cage right. at this point in time. So, yeah, and I, like you were saying, it's interesting that one of the difficulties of this show was that there was so much production and post-production and stuff that these episodes were taking a lot longer to produce and to get out to the studio or to the, to air. And so, yeah, this was uh, Gene Roddenberry's attempt to make up some time. And he says, Hey, I've got all this footage already. We can do a two parter that it'll only take us one week's worth of production time to do new material for. Right. So it's an, it's another example of scrambling to cover and uh, making something great. I think so. Yes. I did talk about this episode in the very, very first episode of Trekkin that I was doing by myself, but it's been so long and who knows if anybody's listened to that, gone back. So, uh, and plus I'd like to hear your perspective on this and it's kind of the first time we'll be talking about Pike and number one and things like that. So I think, I think it'll be good for both of us to, to regroup and talk about it. Especially with the new show coming out here soon. Exactly. Yeah. With Pike and number one at the forefront and Spock. We're unintentionally timely. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, So why don't you go ahead and start us off. Okay. And talk about part one or, you know, at least the beginning of part one. And we'll just kind of go back and forth a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, with this is starts off with the Enterprise uh, arriving to Starbase 11 in response to a call that Spock said he got from the former captain of the Enterprise, Christopher Pike, who was Spock's previous captain. So it went Pike and then Kirk at being captains of the Enterprise, and Spock served under both. It's it's really, I mean, we, we kind of saw some Starbases in... The, the Romulan episode where the Romulans attacked, but this is the first time you actually get to see a much bigger vision of a star base and think about how big it is and the size of it and where you really run into the star base commander, Commodore Mendez, who's, you know, the, the first time we've really seen a officer of a higher rank than Kirk. Yeah, that's true. So it's it's kind of interesting to see that. And, I mean, we've always thought, you know, here's Kirk, the, the guy on top, but all of a sudden he's not. And it's it's interesting to see that that relationship there a little bit and that dynamic. Yeah, and I guess it kind of opens up the world of Starfleet. You know, yes. that, hey, there is – it's not just people guest starring, you know, showing up on the Enterprise. It's – Right. They're part of something bigger. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's more ships out there than just the Enterprise. So it does it does kind of do that. But Mendez says that Pike couldn't have sent the communication and that there's there's no way he could have done it. And they're like, Well, are you sure? Are you sure? And they he's like, Yeah, let me prove it to you. And he goes and he brings in Captain Pike and he's definitely looks like very burned and disabled and he's in this weird almost full body wheelchair that just has three lights on it and all it does is he he does the light and it makes a little beeping sound too to answer with yes or no with the questions from his brainwave and he's basically just just sitting in the chair with his mouth agape the whole time i mean it had to be uncomfortable for jeffrey hunter the actor uh actually i think they pulled somebody else in for that they weren't able to get Jeffrey Hunter to come back. Let me. Oh, yep. Sean Kenny, it looks like. Oh, okay. You found him. Yep. Sorry. I, I I saw, I looked at a different part and it said guest appearances, Jeffrey Hunter, Christopher Pike on there. But then, yeah, it does say that Sean Kenny actually played the injured Christopher Pike. 
Yes. So. <laughs> I mean, he looks a lot like him. Are you sure on his uh, wheelchair there weren't four lights? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Man. I'm jumping ahead to a Star Trek The Next Generation episode. So. Right. <laughs> I gotcha. There are four lights! <laughs> oh, Oh, that's a good episode. Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's basically like there's no way Pike could have done anything. I mean, he he basically moves around and just beeps a light, and that's about it. And I I actually think Futurama made fun of it too at one point. <laughs> I'm sure if they I did, remember yeah. right, something like that where <laughs> they had Fry in one. I think I I kind of remember that where he's riding around in a wheelchair acting like that, and then all of a sudden he just like opens it up and gets out and he's fine. But <laughs> anyways, going back. So the Commodore, Commodore Mendez says, Pike couldn't sh- send the message. There's no way to do it. Uh, Pike refuses to communicate with anybody except for Spock. He's not being helpful at all. And so Kirk and Mendez leave and they're trying to discuss it on their own in a private session. And Spike's like, well, can I just, or Spock's like, can I have some time with Captain Pike? And... All you know is that Pike keeps on saying no, and Spock's like, I'm going to do this, and Pike keeps on saying no, no, no. And so you you see something weird is going on there, and this is something very different for Spock. Spock's always been very loyal and tells Captain Kirk just about everything, and so all of a sudden he's got a secret. He's not following along. Yeah, and and he actually, as... Kirk and Mendez are, are still trying to go over it. Okay, well, who could it, you know, if it wasn't Captain Pike, then who was it? You know, was it somebody here? I, I don't think, you know, Kirk just wouldn't believe that Spock would lie to him because right. he's, you know, of his Vulcan side and his experience with him. He even asks McCoy at one point, well, could it be Spock? And even McCoy's like, no, you know, there's no way Spock wouldn't wouldn't uh, do that. He he has to get an insult in there too, I think, when he says it. Like that green-blooded Vulcan wouldn't do something like that. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that, I'm sure. Um, but then, to counteract that, we see Spock deliberately going into the communications room mm-hmm. in the Starbase and he does the neck pinch on the uh, communications officer there and he starts to mess with the data tapes. And right. He sends a command to Enterprise that they will be receiving new orders and to await uh, further instructions. And he even uh, has a card that simulates Captain Kirk's voice saying Spock will be coming aboard and just do everything Spock says. He calls McCoy back to the Enterprise. Uh, Kirk's still on the Starbase. And then... Spock goes, takes command of the Enterprise, and leaves. And so he's definitely being disloyal. He's definitely going against Starfleet and going against Kirk and taking command without authorization. And all the things that everybody was just so sure that he wouldn't do, he's doing it. So it's really out of character, and and we're still trying to figure out, well, what's going on? Yes. And um, then we find out where he's headed and he's going to a planet called Talos 4. And so we find out, yeah, that, that Pike and Spock had been on the Enterprise previously to Talos 4. And that it's like super top secret classified information on it. The planet's been strict quarantined. Don't go by it. There's no information out there about it. So even even the Commodore doesn't know exactly what happened there. It was like they tried to erase it from the from the books almost. Yeah, and it's punishable by death if if right. you enter uh Talos four. So Yes. Even more ominous. Yeah. And so even knowing Spock and the Enterprise are going away on warp speed, Kirk and Mendez get in a Starbase shuttlecraft which has very limited range but very limited warp, but chases after him. And so Spock, <laughs> knowing knowing what Captain Kirk is like, realizes that the shuttlecraft is following him. 
and that they've reached the point of no return. Like they, they won't have enough fuel to get back to Starbase. And so Spock realizes this, realizes that if he keeps on going and doesn't do anything, that Kirk and the Commodore are going to be dead. So he returns to the shuttlecraft and allows them on and then says, yes, I am guilty of mutiny. And here I am. Go ahead and, and take me. Yeah, he has Bones arrest him. He he right. calls for the security himself and then tells Bones that it's his, as acting senior officer, it's his duty to arrest him. <laughs> so right. That was interesting, I thought, too. Yes. And so it's you're like, well, he did all of this, but he didn't really get anything out of it. Then they find out that after rescuing Kirk and the Commodore off the shuttlecraft, that Spock has kind of sabotaged the Enterprise and they can't change the course. No matter what, it's going to Talos 4. Yeah, the computers are in charge of the navigation. Right. And so they decide, well, we got nothing to do. We've got hours before we go there. We should convene a hearing for Spock about his mutiny and do a court-martial. But then they're like, well, we don't have enough senior officers for it. We need three captain or above. They're like, we only have two. And Spock says, no, you got Captain Pike too. So there's Captain Pike, Captain Kirk, and Commodore Mendez all there ready to do the court-martial. And Pike is still listed for active duty. So it was it was one of those things that Spock kind of maneuvered him into that too. And so the tribunal begins and Spock's like, well, in my defense, here we go. I'm going to tell you what happened at Talos 4. Yeah, and he, he kind of tricks the Commodore again by getting him to ask him why. Right. Why would you do this? And he makes sure that that question is in record. And then he says, well, in my defense, I'm going to, you know, here's the evidence for me to pre- present as to why, to answer your question and right. so they're kind of forced to uh, listen to his defense, and he starts to show tapes, video, footage from the Enterprise's first visit to Talos Four. Yes, and they start to watch it, and it's you know from outside the ship, and then on the bridge, and in people's quarters, and and you know they they stop the tapes, and they're like, "How are you getting this footage? No, we've never had any footage like this before." Uh, how is this possible? And he says, well, it is, and this is real. And they ask Pike, is this really you? Is this really what happened? And he answers, yes. And so they're like, wow, okay. So they keep watching the video footage. And this video footage is the material from the first pilot episode, which was originally called The Cage, and now you know, it's been changed into the menagerie. Yes. Um, But all of this original footage that we're seeing is from the original pilot with all the cast and crew and or cast from that first pilot. That's kind of a neat, neat way to do it. I think, you know, it's, it's a very dramatic episode with all this stuff happening with Spock. Right. The way that they shot it and show it and going from the outside of the ship and then going in, it kind of is like that, that old fashioned way of, like you said, they, they've never seen footage like this. And it kind of reminds me of the way you see some of the house TV shows where they'd go in and show like the damage inside the body or something that's happening and then go back out. It's just – it was a cool way of showing that and yeah. something. Yeah. It kind of set it up to say, okay, this is – we know this is different. And if we were really showing this in the court martial and it was you know security footage or whatever, it wouldn't look like this. So they, they acknowledge that. <laughs> And they're saying, yeah, this is different, and it is possible, and it is real. Yeah, and I guess maybe maybe the best way to to finish up talking about it is to... So basically, you know, so we have the, the framing device here established very well. And at different points along the way, you know, they, they stop the tapes, and they talk about it, and they, you know, ask other questions and, and try to decipher things. And then... You know, at the, when the first episode ends, it, it's basically kind of the, they they've adjourned the court, right. and then in the next episode they come back and we have the captain's log that kind of catches everybody up from the previous episode, 
and then we go on with the rest of the trial and we can talk about the end of the trial, what happens after the trial. But I think maybe for the rest, until we get there again, now that everybody knows that that's the framing device and it does come back and forth, maybe we should just go through the cage now, the the episode, what happens. Well, the, the the only other thing is that at the end of episode one, we find out that the images that we're seeing are coming from Talos 4. That's how that's they're right. seeing these images. So that's kind of a, an interesting thing, too. So it's not like, you know, security footage somehow with that. But whatever's going on, that it's whatever's on Talos 4 obviously is playing a part in this. Yeah, which which is another mark against Spock that he's communicated and he's getting these communications from Talos 4. Yes. Yeah. Now we get to see the very first crew of the Enterprise, as Gene Roddenberry had envisioned it. So we have Jeffrey Hunter as Christopher Pike, the captain. And then we have his number one, which is Majo Barrett, who was Gene Roddenberry's wife, but she she was known just as number one in this. She didn't actually have a name. He just called her number one. <laughs> and then you also have Dr. Boyce, who is John Hoyt was the actor. And then really the only other significant person was Yeoman Colt, played by Yarl Goodwin. For the crew of the Enterprise, that's those are the only people that you really see for a good portion of it, and and Spock, obviously. Yeah, there's some other you know people there, but they're not really referenced too too much in this episode. Basically, what you find out is that the Enterprise arrives at Talos Four. They get a, re- a distress call from a survey ship that they thought was lost, and so they're going to investigate it. And Captain Pike beams down along with Spock and the landing party. And they encounter a group of survivors, including a woman named Vina, played by Susan Oliver, who was born shortly after the crash of the survey ship. And so they interact with them and they're trying to find out, make sure everybody's okay. And the chief medical officer establishes that everybody's in perfect health despite the circumstances. And I mean, it's it's a pretty barren planet with like just ruins and even the starships kind of broken open. So it's it's pretty crazy to imagine them living so well. Yeah, and he, he's almost suspicious of it. He says they're, they're in too good a shape. Right. So Vina promises to show Captain Pike the secret of their health. And I mean, this is this is really where you see a little bit of the flirting, Captain Kirk kind of come in. <laughs> yeah, and this is Captain Pike and his his turn at it, and they're kind of flirting a little bit, and you can tell there's something that's supposed to be going on there. So they, Vina leads them to a rocky outcropping, and then two aliens with very bulbous heads um, <laughs> and gray robes come out of a hidden door and then they stun Pike and take him through the door. And then Vina, the other survivors and the Pike disappear. Like there's nothing there ever before. And so Pike got basically abducted by these aliens, the Telosians. And you, you find out that they're able to create illusions that are indistinguishable from reality. So, all those other survivors and Vina and everybody that they were getting medical readings from, that was those were all weren't real readings. Those those were all illusions that were created by these. I'd almost call them like the the gray aliens that you think of, the traditional gray aliens, except they they're much more human looking, human colored. They just have that giant head. Yeah, it kind of looks <laughs> like it. Like their brains are way bigger than than you would think. So, and that's that's kind of where we leave off with episode one. Or part one, I mean. Yeah, so most of episode one is, is new material, but a little bit of this back story. Right. But then that kind of turns the opposite with part two, where most of the what we see is the, the original pilot, the old footage. 
Mm-hmm. And but we get a little bit of current times with Kirk and right everything. Uh, I was trying to remember the name of the planet that they had been to before this. Was it uh, Rigel Twelve or something like that with Pike? I think so. I'm trying to see if I can find it on here. I'm not. But they were on this other planet and had suffered some losses, and so Captain Pike, before they even went to to uh, Talos four was very hesitant to put his people in danger and, and didn't really want to go on this rescue mission until it became obvious that there were survivors on the planet. Uh, So he's kind of got this, his concerns and his worries and talks to the doctor about possibly retiring and things like that. Right. So anyway, after he's abducted, Pike wakes up and he's in this cage. It's encased in glass and you know it's kind of kind of built into this rock formation, but then he's kind of on display. So so think of like the zoo, and when you're going to the the animals that are more in a cave area, and it's mostly cave, and then just the one glass wall. That's what it literally is like. <laughs> it is, yeah. He's he's one of the exhibits. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish they would have shown some of the other exhibits of some of the other. Aliens, because you could tell there was more to that complex than what we saw. Right. But, you know, limit limitations and things like that. Right. But, and then uh, Vina is with him. And the Telosians are there or talk to him telepathically. And then he kind of goes on a series of these illusionary situations where, first of all, they're back on Rigel 12 or whatever planet it was. And right. Vina is there as the the damsel in distress, and they go into this big castle thing, and he ends up fighting this giant man <laughs> and things like that, kind of reliving that only with Vina instead of whoever was there on the on the planet before. Right. But he's pretty P- Pike is is pretty savvy to what's going on. He realizes that this isn't real and that he's being put into this situation to remind him of where he's been and things like that. And then they, they try a couple other things like they take him back to his home on earth where he's got a horse and he's out with a picnic with his girlfriend, but it it's Vina, you know, right. But, but he keeps talking, talking to her and asking her, her questions about the Telosians. He's like, you know, what's their weakness? They've got to have a weakness. You know, how do they do this? You know, what, what, what have you experienced? And he, he did find out that if he's having very uh, primitive thoughts like anger, rage, those kinds of things that they can't read that they can't anticipate those types of right. emotions or thoughts. And so he's asking her more about that. And she just kind of pleads with him. She's like, you know, I've been here for so long. They've worn me down. You can only last so long struggling right. against them. And, and you know she just wants to to make it all happy and she wants to be with pike and and but he you know he's not really having that he he wants to escape and figure out a way and he's going to make it happen so right well i mean they they do torture him with their minds and make him like feel like everything a whole bunch of pain on him which i mean he kind of stands and withstands a little bit but then when they say okay well we'll torture her if you don't obey and that's that was like the way that they get, finally got him to obey a couple times was by hurting her and making her suffer. So I, I get why she's a little hesitant because she's getting hurt. And <laughs> yeah. She's been getting hurt for years. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then I guess I guess meanwhile, you know, number one and the, the rest mm-hmm. of the crew of the Enterprise are tr- trying to free the captain. You know, they're trying to break into to the doorway to the underground because they live the Telosians live underground and so they're they're trying to break their way in and they bring this big super cannon with ship's power and they they give it everything they've got to uh, open a open a way right um, but nothing happens it doesn't do anything or at least so they think right um, <laughs> And so, you know, they're they're trying to free the captain. They're trying to do what they can as well. 
And it's it's kind of interesting at this point because you see, like, Spock isn't that big of a part of this whole thing. It's actually led by number one. Yeah. The, the landing party for the rescue party. And it's kind of interesting. Spock's personality is a little more emotional, not quite as Vulcan as what we're used to. And number one almost is much more of that traditional Vulcan that you think of, like very unemotional, very logical, very rigid in what, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm going to get there. Very much so. Yeah. 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 And I really like that about the episode that, you know, this woman from the 60s, you know, right. <laughs> at least when this was airing, you know, she is, she's commanding everything. She's the one in charge because Captain Pike is incapacitated. Right. Uh, which is pretty cool. Yes, it is. I, I really like it. I mean, it's the the cage expands that a lot more and you see a lot more of that. And I think that was part of the reason why they didn't like the original crew is because they didn't want this woman to be in charge so much. The, the executives at NBC, I think that was one of their complaints was that having a woman that close to being in charge was was kind of a problem. Yeah. And even if it wasn't said, I'm sure that played a played a big part of it. Right. And I mean it's it is a little bit different and it's it's interesting because this is, you know, <laughs> Major Barrett who went on to be Nurse Chapel. Yeah. So and the <laughs> the voice of the computer and Deanna Troy's mother. So I mean she's been she's up there with like Jeffrey Combs with being the most characters in Star Trek, but <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she's she's done a lot, and it's just interesting to see her in this role. And I really wish that she would have had a better chance because she does do a great job in it. Yeah, she's great. And Rebecca Romaine doing the same character now in Discovery and the short treks and what will soon be Strange New Worlds is has done a really good job up to this point, too. So I'm excited to see that continue on. That, that'll be a lot of fun. Yes. Anyways, so <laughs> so where where are we now? I, I lost track. We we did. We got a little off off track there. But uh, Pike and Vina are captured by the Telosians because they're hoping that they'll start mating and breeding and found right. a race of slaves so that they can reclaim the war damaged surface of the planet. So basically, they they did all these things and destroyed the whole top of their planet and. They need the physical prowess of somebody to go up there and clear it off so then they can take care of it because they, they don't have that ability to be physical and do those things anymore. I mean, it's not much of a stretch to see that this is, you know, a little bit of the commentary on the, the Cold War and the threat of nuclear <laughs> annihilation there. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Soviets versus the U.S., this is where we could be headed. So if we get there, then what What kind of new horrible things will there be? But So the landing party tries to break into the complex the same time that we're learning more and more about Telosians and why they're capturing everybody. And because Pike's resisting it so much, they decide to give him more choices to mate with more than just Vina. And so they have... They capture number one, and this is when the the Yeoman cult also plays in, and they they put both of them down into the cage with Vina and Captain Pike, and say, "Okay, choose one." Yeah, because there there's the whole team of like six members of the landing party were going to beam down to the planet and try to go inside the underground, right? And only two of them, the two women, are able to. Transport down because that's who the Telosians let through, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So the, the yeah. So now at this point, he says, "Well, if you if you're not going to mate with <laughs> Vina, well, here's your here's a here's a couple more choices to your liking, right?" And I I thought it was funny. You know, they're they're saying you know both of these women have things that you know you may desire, and they talk about yes. number one being very intelligent and. And, you know, ma- matching his wits or whatever. And then they talk about the yeoman and they, they you know, they say that, she, what, did, what do they say? She thought he was unreachable, but now she's realizing that 
this may not be the case anymore. And she has strong, unusually strong female urges or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And she just kind of looks cheapish, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it was kind of funny. But Pike, it basically is getting some ideas because, I mean, the the phasers they thought were non-functional and they weren't able to use them to escape the ones that, that number one and the yeoman brought with them. So Pike comes up with this plan and you don't really know entirely what it is, but he kind of notices that the Telosians are kind of looking at the weapons and kind of is trying to figure out what's going on and uses his, you know, focuses on primitive thoughts. And then everybody kind of pretends to be, asleep or everybody does sleep and Pike just kind of pretends it until he realizes that one of the keepers is coming in in the middle of the night to confiscate the weapons and Pike figures out that the weapons still function and that it was just an illusion that they weren't. And so he captures the Telosian and has him reveal the hole in the cell wall. So when he fired the phaser, it actually did blow a hole in the wall and they're able to see it. And then, so they escape and they're trying to make it to the service, but then they realize that this was just the Telosian's plan. <laughs> they, yeah. they figured that out. And so, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, I mean, he's, he's really got, he's got the Telosian by the throat, you know, and he's like, right. I'm going to rip your neck off if you don't, you know, reveal what's really going on here. Which, right. but, they eventually, you know, tell them, well, we know that you won't do that. You know, we've read your mind. We know that you won't actually kill us, but. Right. Still, they don't like, they don't like the physical uh, attack either. So. Right. And this is, this is where number one almost plays a, a big role. I mean, she, she sets her phaser to explode and kill everybody rather than just be enslaved. And then more. Telosians arrive and instead of causing the destruction of so many lives, she just turns it off. And so the, the Telosians themselves kind of realize this, that, that, you know, these humans <laughs> have this unique hatred of captivity and that makes them, you know, unsuitable for what they want. They, they, it won't work. So they, they decide to just kind of let them go and they, they, realize that the humans just that they're going to fight the whole time. They'd rather die than help if it's going to be this enslavement. So Pike tries to get an apology, but the Telosians just say, Hey, look, our, our species is about to be extinct. We're just doing what we can to prevent that. You know, this, this is when the, the Starfleet side of thing comes in. Pike now is like, Hey, we understand that. Let's, Here's, here's Starfleet. We can help out the interstellar community. I'm sure somebody will help you. But the Telosians fear that if too many people live on their planet, that somehow their mental powers could also spread. And that was part of what caused their planet to, to be ruined and their race to bring to ruin. And they don't want that to happen to others. So they're kind of self-isolating there. And they reveal, you know, because he wants to take Vina with him right you know and, and at least save her originally he he thought she was just an, an illusion too but you know by the by that time he realized no she was a human yeah and uh he wanted to save her but she refused to go and then they reveal that she she isn't this beautiful vivacious woman that she you know was damaged in the crash of the Columbia and they didn't have the know-how on how exactly to, to fix her. And so she's, she's kind of deformed and she has a hunchback and, and, you know, her face has scars on it and she, you know, right. she, she doesn't look like this beautiful vivacious person. And so she doesn't want to leave. She wants, she likes the illusion of who she is and she's going to stay on Talos four. So, yes. And that's essentially the right that that's pretty much the end of the episode. And they they take off and uh, send the message out that Talos Four is never to be contacted again, or it's off limits, kind of thing. Right. And then we go back to 
in quotes, modern day Enterprise. Right. <laughs> and it's it's right when the Enterprise arrives at Talos 4. And then all of a sudden, Commodore Mendez fades away. And he was an illusion the whole time. Right. And so <laughs> that that was a twist that, that was kind of unexpected, even coming back to watch this. I didn't remember that. And so that, that surprised me a little bit. And so one of the Talosian keepers appears on the viewing screen and, you know, spells it out for Kirk, tells him he was just an illusion. It was just a ploy to make sure that Kirk didn't do anything to hinder Pike coming back to Talos 4. Right. And then it, it was basically the Talosians were there to offer Captain Pike uh, the illusion of a normal life where he could live, you know, physically fit and able instead of being in this wheelchair then they they get a message from commodore mendez that says starfleet actually saw this whole trial and what's going on and everything and they they waived the prohibition and the the kill order about talos 4 and said okay what well, we're going to do this as a as a nod to captain pike and his service and if kirk agrees to it that they're free to proceed they allow pike to go down he transports down to the planet and then you kind of see on the view screen that pike and vena are physically fit and young and returning with the telosians to the underground complex and then just one last time you you see another telosian he wishes captain kirk well and so yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden everything's wrapped up with a neat little bow the yeah Court martial for Spock is kind of forgotten. <laughs> it's it's yeah, no that, longer. That's the part that I every time I watch this, I'm like, man, that's just so convenient, so easy. Right. You know, I I wish they did something a little different there. I mean, I understand they have to end the episode, and next episode has to be something totally different or whatever. But it just seems like wow. But still, Spock did all these things. He went against orders. He manipulated data tapes. He did all these terrible things against Starfleet and it's just kind of waved away like, oh that's that's fine. Right. No big deal. <laughs> I wish there was a better resolution yeah. to that or or something, but but that's okay, you know. <laughs> and then I I watched it pretty closely this last time that I watched it because I I thought we saw Jeffrey Hunter going down, going underground on Talos 4 with Vina. Right, but no, it was done very, you know, from the back and and yeah. pretty quick and, and far away shots. So it looked like it was Pike, but they were definitely hiding that it wasn't Jeffrey Hunter. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's well done camera trickery for the 1960s. Yeah, and the interesting note too is that the actor who provo- who provided the voice of the keeper in the original Cage is the one who played Commodore Mendez. Oh really? Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't you know, know that. Yeah, that's pretty Gene funny. Roddenberry liked to keep as many people keep using him as as often as he could, if he could, <laughs> and get away with it. Yeah, and I, and I think they did try to get Jeffrey Hunter for the episode, but he wasn't available. So still one of the funniest things though about that is how long has it been since they've been on Talos for like thirteen years, right? Right. I think they say. And yet that uh elevator that goes down is still destroyed and battered and blackened from the uh the cannon right <laughs> they haven't done I, and i guess you know the telosians don't have a lot of ways to to do anything up above so maybe i guess that makes sense but i always thought that was kind of funny that they didn't even fix their elevator thing so but i really like the episode i really like the the you know the original footage the cage footage and I really like this framing device. I th- I thought they pulled it together really well. It was it was dramatic and all that good stuff. You know, plus we got to see the original crew or previous crew right. of the Enterprise. Well, and it it was interesting that you see this and it you can see where the uniforms from this one kind of play into that second pilot episode that we talked about. I don't remember the name of it offhand, but that oh, the second pilot was uh, yeah. Where no man has gone before. Right, right. I mean, it kind of, kind of plays off of that. You kind of see the some of the things there, and you know, Spock is still a little bit different. 
it's definitely a little bit of a different set there, but it, it builds up. And like you said, I mean, it, it is just a great story in it. It builds the universe too, that there was stuff before and yeah. there's going to be stuff after. And it, it just makes it feel bigger. Well, and it, yeah, cause there's that, that scene there on the, when they first go down on the planet and there's those singing plants or whatever, and the captain and Spock go over and touch the singing plants, and it kind of dims its noise or whatever. And Spock actually smiles at the right. they kind of smile at each other about it, um, right. which shows you that that his character has evolved. You know, yes. And it's interesting. You know, I think you and I both saw some of the footage of the preview or the announcement about Strange New Worlds yes. that's coming up, where we're going to see. Captain Pike and number one and, and Spock on some of their original voyages. Yeah. And they talk about how Spock is going to show more, more of his emotional side in that series, which right. is, it'll be kind of interesting to watch, I think. And number one will have a name. And she will have a name. Yes. <laughs> Una, right? Yes. Una. And I, I'm just really re- impressed by the way with that strange new worlds and with this pike and number one and Spock and everything. And just the, the look seems really well done. And I mean, it it just feels like it's that, that older one. And I mean, you've got Anson Mount now being Pike and he kind of looks like Pike and Rebecca Romaine looks like number one. And then Ethan Peck looks like Spock. It, It plays into it, I think really well. And it's just, I'm actually really excited for that. So Pike has always kind of been one of my favorites, Pike and number one. I've liked them. And it was because of the menagerie. And and I remember my dad got the cage when it first came out, in quotes, first came out in the 19, mid-80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is when it was finally released. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was interesting. Yeah, I, it was interesting watching this after seeing Anson Mount as Pike. And I don't know if Anson Mount was looking at footage of Jeffrey Hunter and trying to mimic some of his, the way he is. Right. But I was like, wow, he really, <laughs> Jeffrey Hunter really looks the way Anson Mount did. But of course it's reversed, but <laughs> I was like kind of impressed with Anson Mount. I don't yes. know if that was on purpose or if they just carry themselves in the same way, but. Well, I mean, it's, it's a little bit easier for. Ethan Peck is Spock because we've already had a Spock. I mean, I guess we've already had a Pike too from the Kelvin. Wasn't that, that was the guy who recruited Kirk in it, wasn't it? I Yeah, it I is. I can't remember his name. I always want to call him Bruce Greenwood, but. Right. <laughs> I think that's it, but it, there's a singer too that might yeah. be Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> it's Bruce something, yeah. You know, he didn't have as big of a part, so I think Spock's had a little bit more room. And, I mean, Spock's gone through personality changes through the shows and the movies anyways. I I just really enjoy this two-part episode and then the, the original pilot. If you can see The Cage, I, I definitely recommend anybody to see it. It does add a lot more. I mean, number one gets a bigger role in it. Her part was kind of cut out a little bit more in the menagerie yeah i guess i should have watched the cage it's been a while since i've watched just that all by itself it's it's there's not a whole lot of difference yeah i mean there's not a whole lot of difference but there is some it's all about pike in the menagerie nbc thought that it was too cerebral intellectual and slow (laughs) i mean i i guess i could see that for the cage as a pilot it does take a lot of time and it's yeah there's not not a fist fight or a battle or anything and i mean that's that's the thing with this where no man's been before it's there's that really cool fight at the end it definitely picks up the action a little bit and i don't know shatner does just seem like a little bit more physical (laughs) than jeffrey hunter did yeah, and Jeffrey, you know, the, the way they portrayed it, you know, in that episode is, you know, he's kind of reluctant. He's he's kind of a little shell shocked. A little shell shocked and and uh and so that that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a different take than what the 60s were used to as far as what a captain would be. 
I'm again interested to see how they play that in uh, Strange New Worlds. So I did look it up. I was correct. Bruce Greenwood does play there you Captain go. Pike in the uh, 2009 Star Trek movie. So okay, which we'll get to eventually. So yes, I mean eventually we'll get to to all the movies in my favorite. <laughs> I lo- I love Beyond. I think that's just a great Star Trek movie. The Kelvin universe gets a little bit of knocks here and there, but I think there's some really good things in there. Yeah, I so. agree. I, I liked Beyond as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that probably wraps it up for this episode, unless you have anything else you wanted to, to bring up. but Well, the only thing I can think of, just it's sticking in my head right now, because I, I just found out about it a little bit ago, is that uh, the new number one from Strange New Worlds, played by Rebecca Romaine, and and she just happens to be married to Jerry O'Connell, who does a voice in Lower Decks. Yes, yeah. This is the first officer there. So <laughs> it's kind of weird that you see so many of these. It it just seems like the the Star Trek fandom and brings in even the actors. Yeah, you know, it seems like they're having a good time, which it is, does, which is always fun. So it is. All right. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for, for listening to this episode. If you do have any questions or things that uh, you'd like us to talk about, uh, feel free to send an email to journeyintopodcast at com, or you can call the voicemail line at 77JINTO107 and uh, leave a voicemail. So uh, live long and prosper, Keith. Peace and long life, Marshall. Good night, everybody. Good night. The audio from this podcast is exclusive to patreon.com slash journeyinto. Another episode of Trekkin'. Here on the Journey Into Podcast, where Keith Techlitz and I talk about, or I should say, my name is Marshall Latham, and welcome to, ah, I need to start all over. (laughs) (laughs) I never introduce myself, I only introduce you, so. Well, that's because everybody knows who you are. (laughs) Hopefully, (laughs) but you never know. Uh, 